Change Self, Lead Others podcast with uh, Nina Sunday. And my guest today is Michael McQueen. Hi, Michael. Hello, hello. <laughs> I've known Michael for many years. He's an Australian uh, Hall of Fame speaker. He uh, is a, a trends forecaster. He helps large organisations navigate disruption, uh, a very timely uh, skill these days. He's written eight books. I've read one or two of them. His most recent one is The Case for Character. And it's about how focusing on purpose leads to uh, more profitability than just focusing on profits. So welcome, Michael, and uh, right. thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Good to be here. So, well, that is my first question. Why should organisations focus on purpose and how does that impact their profitability? Well, I mean, there's so, there's so many reasons, I guess, altruistically to focus on purpose. You know, I mean, that, that sense that I think all of us want to use our time on earth to contribute to something useful, you know, to do something that we can look back on and go, I'm glad I was a part of that. I'm glad we did something that actually shifted the dial or changed the tone of society or our community in a good way. So I think there's that sense of if you if you want to be spending your life doing something, it may as well be doing something you can be proud of and, and pleased about rather than just going, hey, we had a couple of great quarters and a few wonderful years financially and I got a great share package and sailed off into the sunset. I think at a gut level, most of us want to be part of something that's that's meaningful and weighty and worthwhile. But beyond that, so if you wanted to sort of just set that altruistic side apart, set, set it aside for a moment, I think that the commercial benefits are significant, particularly if you look at as you navigate crisis and times of difficulty, the, the, the great benefit of purpose is it gives you, I guess, a, a grid through which you make decisions. You, know, you Suddenly, if you know what you stand for, it's easier to know what you say yes to and what you say no to. You know, which corner is your cup? which parts of the business you'll scrimp on in terms of to, in terms of reducing expenses, and which ones are going, no, this is a priority to us. We're going to stand by this, even if it is costly in the short term. So I think the beauty of purpose in the, in the short term, particularly in a time of crisis, is huge. And there's some great examples of that. I, I love the example of, um, of KFC a few years ago. So KFC, 80% um, of their stores in the UK ran out of chicken, which is not great, like when your name's KFC and the C stands for chicken. Um, but I love the way they respond to this. So I mean, a lot of KFC's purpose is about consistent customer experience. Um, and not just that, but there's a sense of they, they want to be a brand that's just real, that's just a bit irreverent, um, don't take themselves too seriously. And you see that in so much their ad campaign material over the years that they just, they're a bit edgy and a bit, a bit irreverent. Um, but I love the way they responded to this crisis. You know, in the midst of this, what first thing they did is they actually closed all their stores across the UK, even though they had some stores that had stock, because they realized that if it couldn't be a consistent customer experience, that went against their core values, their purpose as a brand. Um, so great costs closed all their stores, but also their sense of purpose and identity informed the way they responded in some other ways too. So they actually, in their response, I love this, they took out two full page ads. And um, you know, instead of, instead of the, the words KFC being spelled out in the bucket of chicken, it said FCK, which of course any reader could figure out what that meant. And so it was a bit edgy and irreverent. And the, the text on this advertisement basically said, hey, sorry, we stuffed it up. You know, we need to learn from it. Like just completely transparent and open and, 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 and authentic. And it went viral, like 200 million people had seen this within 48 hours because it just went viral online, this advertisement. Because the moment you see a brand that does stand for something and is willing to have a laugh at itself or just stand by principle even when it's costly, man, we respect them for it. And we've seen some great examples of that if we've got time, even some other case studies that we could look at even in our chat now of just how, how effective purpose can be in guiding your decision-making, particularly when times get tough. Yes, purpose is important, but I can I have seen a disconnect 
between the organization having a grand purpose yep. and the individual contributors not even remembering what that is. So yeah. there's is the brand even communicating it to their individual contributors? And the other thing is sometimes individual contributors have a different short term or a short focus purpose that supports the bigger picture purpose. Yep. Some yeah. teams like the IT crisis desk, their purpose is to support the people that have the grand purpose. So yeah. how, do you, um, how do you bridge those gaps? Well, I think if, if, a, if an organization is going to say, this is what we stand for, this is our purpose, or this is, this is the DNA of the organization, everything has got to support that. The biggest disconnect I see is when the organizational leaders say, this is our sense of purpose, this is what we stand for, these are our values, this is our essence as a brand. But then what they see is behaviors that don't match it. Um, and the moment there's, and it's not even just hypocrisy. It's, I mean, nothing even as malevolent as that. It's just when, you know, we say one thing, but what we, what we incentivize is something different. It's like, well, if you if that really matters most, then you'll put your money where your mouth is and you'll incentivize people to do the behaviors that lead to that. And you know, Toyota have done that very well. I mean, Toyota sales reps in dealerships don't get paid um, purely based on the vehicle they sell. It's not a commission-based model. They get paid based on the customer satisfaction rating that rating they get after the sale. So that idea of how do we how do we put in place incentives that reinforce the the purpose and the values? Because if those incentives aren't there. You, you may well say this is what we stand for, but if, if that's not reinforced, it doesn't become part of culture. And so I think the, the disconnect is often there, not in terms of just, you know, the leaders know it and the, the rest of the organization doesn't, but sometimes this organization knows it. They also know that the leaders don't really actually care that much about the things they give lip service to, which breeds massive um, cynicism in the organization and a huge breach of trust within an organization between people and their leaders. But also if there's not a sense of actually putting your money where the math is and incentivizing the things we value, then people will just see it as lip service as well. Yes, yeah, so leaders can become can fall into the trap of pragmatism and forget that idealism uh, can actually be the way that pushes everything forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For managers that are working at ground level with their teams, I mean, it might be too big a task to say, you know, to try and create an initiative that, oh, we all have to have our own purpose, etc. Just in a staff meeting, they could probably find a big reason to communicate with their own team about the bigger picture benefit. And I'll give you one example. I had to do customer service training at Mount Buller, which is the ski resort in Australia. Yep. And as on the drive there, I was thinking, well, what is their biggest pur purpose? This is Lift drivers, uh, hospitality, paramedics, everybody that, that works uh, at, at the resort this is before it opened for the season. And I decided to make it that you're helping Australia win gold medals at the Winter Olympics. And when I said that, I, I paused and I could see people sort of shift in their chairs and go, yeah, that's right. That's what mm. we are. Yeah. So is that something that managers can do that, they don't have to wait for the organization to make an initiative. They can with their own teams. Yeah, I mean, certainly giving that sense of how what I do, my small part translates to something that's bigger and more ambitious and meaningful. That's part of the key and to keep people engaged and inspired by the purpose or vision. But the other side is how do you tell the stories that model the behavior you want to see? Because stories build culture. You know, they're telling the stories of the customer service rep who went above and beyond who, you know, I remember working with a client once that had the online retail store and they had a customer order a whole lot of things for a party on the Saturday and the Friday afternoon 
the order got stuffed up. It didn't get out the door in time. It was meant to be there within three hours, you know, the three hour delivery turnaround. It wasn't going to make it. So the staff member on their way home dropped it at the person's house. You know, and you can say, hey, we stand for customer first, customer service, delight the customer, all those things that we often hear in organizations. But when you see a story like that that encapsulates the DNA, yeah, that, that, that's it. Because those stories get spread. They become part of the, almost the mythology or the folklore of an organization. That sets culture. And so I think the more we can tell the stories that reinforce or point to the things we say we hold most dear, that's when it really does become embedded in culture. And obviously that staff member cared. So yeah. there's motivation there. So managers can even recruit for people that have that care. Yeah, yeah not, definitely. Are they good at results? Are they, you know, are they well qualified? So maybe these softer skills of uh, high emotional intelligence are something yeah. managers need to think about when they're even recruiting. Yeah, I think the thing to be to be really honest about, particularly small to medium-sized businesses, is that you know, it's, um, you, you, what you stand for is most um, severely tested when you can least afford it. I think this is the, the hardest thing is, and what we've seen this year during COVID over 2020 is that you know, it's been so tough for so many organizations. This is when you really see what organizations and brands really stand for. And often you can make decisions that go against your values in ways that, um, I don't know, you, you could easily justify away. You could go, oh, no, but it's different because of X, Y, and Z. I mean, for instance, I remember I often shared the story about a group of optometrists I was working with a few years ago. And it was interesting here. It was a full-day workshop with this group. They're all the practice owners of these optometry firms from around the country. And so we started the day talking about um, values and DNA and sort of set a, a bit of a, a foundation of what we're going to talk about next. So we spent the first part of the day, you know, the traditional thing, flip charts, working on it as groups. And I mean, most of the groups come up with the same sort of words. You know, our core values are respect for the customer, customer service first, integrity, honesty, transparency, all the things you often hear. Anyway, after the, after the morning break, we came back and we're talking about disruption. And I said, what are the biggest disruptions for you right now? One of them said, you know, I think it's really, really hurting us as a business is people now come into their optometry practice. They will ask for, um, they'll get their eyes tested. They ask the prescription to take home to then order contact lenses online for a fraction of the cost they'd spend in practice. And for the stores, I mean, it's a big part of their revenue is selling not just the glasses, but contact lenses, especially to customers. And so, you know, they're sort of lamenting just how, how big a disruption this was. And one of the people in the room put up her hand, I'll never forget this, she put up her hand and she said, hey, I don't know if this is useful for anyone else, but what we've done in our practice, it's working a treat, is when someone asks for their prescription, we give it to them, but we, we get out some liquid paper and we remove one of the key measurements um, on their prescription so they can't go online and order from online. And you can see everyone get, oh, brilliant. They're all writing it down as a great note, like a takeaway, take home. Let's do that too. And I said, look, that's very clever, very inventive. I said, but let's just take a step back and have a look at the flip charts from this morning. And you know, what did we say were our core values this morning? And, and like the room went very silent. And the, the reality is I, I don't judge them for that because I think we've all been there. Like we've all been in those modes where it's like, it's an ethical or moral dilemma, for instance. And you're like, what is a trade-off? What do we do? Like I remember even from a speaking perspective, I mean, you know, you and I, this is our world, like speaking at events, speaking to audiences. And I had a, and uh, probably a June, um, I'd say six or seven years ago now. And most months I'd have, I don't know, between 20 and 25 speaking engagements. That's sort of a standard pace of work. This one month, I had one event in my calendar in front, for the whole month of June. And I was like, as the month got closer, I was like, 
it's going to be interesting how you do payroll and all the realities that go with that. And it was interesting for me, the two industries I don't take work from, and I get inquiries relatively frequently for these industries, I just don't say yes to them. So anything to do with gaming or gambling um, or tobacco, I'm just like, no, I just, they're just the industries I don't, you know, from a value set don't resonate with. So I just can't, don't take work from them. You know, you can't write this stuff, right? So end of May, three days before this June kicks off and there's still only one event in the whole month. I get this inquiry come through from a speaker agency for a huge event for British American tobacco. And it was a big event. Like it was a multi-day thing. It would have been about a third to a half of the month revenue sorted out. And I was like, okay, this is where the rubber hits the road. Do I really stand by that value of saying I don't want to support the tobacco industry, for instance? And what was interesting is I knew my PA was watching. Because she knew that I was like, no, I don't do tobacco. She was watching what I'd say when times were tough. I knew that the speaker agency that had sent it through even they were like, we, we know you don't normally say yes to this stuff, but we thought we just sent it through because they've asked for you particularly, but they were watching, what would I do? And I remember at the time trying to justify, you know, whether I say yes or no. And it's funny how you go through these cycles. I'm like, what if I went and talked about all the, you know, the non-deadly disruptive things they could do to their business? You know, like, it's amazing. You start to mentally justify stuff. And when the decision came time, do I say yes or no? I'll never forget the moment of clarity was recalling a quote um, that, that my dad had told me years ago, and it was from an ad, ad agency exec in the 60s, Bill Bernbach, who said this, he said, a principle isn't a principle until it costs you something. And I remember in that moment, I'm like, that, that's the decision. Like, this is going to be costly to say no, but if this is actually something I stand by, now's the time to say no. And I remember, I remember emailing back to say, I'll pass on the event if that's all right. Thanks so much. And um, at the time, it was hard to say no, but I'm so glad I did. Because in the long term, if you're building a brand that you know, want to be known for something, those times you say no are, are so vitally important. Absolutely. You, you would actually will end up with a story that you can tell over and over. So maybe you'll yeah. return on investment. That's it. That's exactly right. Yep. <laughs> now, you, in, in one of your videos, you talk about um, the four questions an organization can ask itself in order to come to purpose. And one of them is, uh, why do we exist? That's a pretty big existential question. To <laughs> How do people manage that question and the answer that, that comes from it? Well, it's interesting. It is a hard question. And it's hard because it depends on whether you're, let's say, the founder of the company or first generation, if it's a family business, or whether you've inherited an organization or Let's say, I mean, the, the client I was all working, working for this morning was the Liquor Licensing Association. So for them, it's like, you know, it's different to, let's say, a business that arose out of a, a marketplace need and we saw an opportunity, a, a ability to serve a part of the market that wasn't being serviced or whatever it is. Like when you're in a regulatory environment, it's a different sort of story because you exist to keep the wheels of the bureaucracy moving. I mean, it's an important role, but it's different. So I mean, it obviously depends on the industry you're in, but also whether you're in that sort of founder mode or whether you've inherited an organization. I mean, for instance, the, the liquor licensing group this morning, I mean, if, if I'd asked them that question, I suspect one of the themes that would have come up immediately was around the safety of alcohol consumption for families. And what's, why, why that's so important is because, you know, during COVID, one of the big things we've seen is people are consuming alcohol in their homes a whole lot more. And for the regulators, their big question is, how do we open up the funnel to allow people to still engage with, you know, local restaurants and cafes and bars? Because we've seen, you know, liquor licenses, for instance, and I only learned this this morning, so it's front of mind, um, where you, know, you could now in the last few months order food to have home delivered and order alcohol to come with it. Now, previous to COVID, that was illegal. You couldn't do that. You had to go into a licensed venue. They changed the rules because they realized, hey, people are in lockdown. We've got to go with the times and be agile here. 
But the flip side of that is the rates of domestic violence that have come as a result of having more and more alcohol in, the, in people's private homes that is unregulated is, is really significant. And so for them, they would say, I suspect one of their core values is the safety of families and, and the community. Now, it's not just about ensuring there's fairness and safety and equity amongst you know, suppliers of alcohol, even though that's a big part of their regulatory framework. It's actually about the people side. So I think in most cases, if you trace it back far enough, for most of us, the answer to that why we exist question, you might have to dig a bit to get there. It's always going to be about people. Um, it's, it's about serving, helping, contributing. And once you get to that point, you know you're somewhere close to what the, the sense of purpose really is. Yeah, that and and staying staying focused on the community benefit as well. Because yeah, yep. If enough, you'll find it, and then you can yep. communicate it to uh, uh, to to the uh, pe people that work in the organisation. The second question is around the ability to encapsulate your purpose on the back of a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Examples of that of some teams come up with some really good ones. Well, often, yeah, they do it in terms of like a, a picture or an image or a slogan or a couple of words. But I think that's that, the, the, the beauty of that exercise is that it, it, it forces you to get really succinct. Like you get right down to the core of what an organization is about. Yeah, because for a lot of us, it's easy to use a whole lot of flowery words. But when you get to the point where you just, it's, it's a couple of sim a simple phrase that's easily repeatable. And that goes to your point before about the disconnect between leaders and staff. When it gets complicated, that's where the transition stops, the translation stops, because people uh, no, no longer really know what, what it's about. And so I think, you know, I'm trying to think of some examples immediately now. Um, I mean, even look, I think it's um, Apple's old slogan of think different. And you had Nike just do it. I think I could just do it. I mean, Aldi is good, different, this idea. I mean, these are simple words that, I mean, that, that, that passes the back of the t-shirt test where it's like, how do we whittle it right down to something that is so simple and repeatable um, that it, it sticks in your head? And I think there's some great examples of that that I think yeah, for a lot of us, that's where ideally we want to get ourselves to in terms of our personal brand. So it's not an elevator pitch that's 30 seconds long. We can get down to something really, really simple. Yeah, maybe every team needs to be thinking about maybe uh, uh, giving away T-shirts uh, with their theme slogan yeah. or catch, yep. catch cry. So yeah, definitely. Look, uh, we could go on all day. Yeah. You, you just have so much to share around a purpose and, and for people to, to find that, to re-motivate around uh, values and um, the, the big picture benefits. So uh, I, I want to thank you for sharing your, your wisdom and your time with us today. Pleasure. Thank you very much. And thanks so much. Thanks for joining us on Manage Self, Lead Others. So thanks very much, Michael. All, All the best. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.